But yeah, some people are terrified of clowns. Midgets, man. Uh, so yeah, we know it's going to be like a hot, I mean, it's going to be a great draw. Uh, but I also am in talk, I'm trying to get AIW to come over and do uh, like a rumble by the river. Because it sits on the Huron River, but it's right at the base of the Lake Erie. Like, you can see the lake right to the left. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> well, I'm trying to get them to hopefully, I'm trying to get someone to come in uh, that Friday of SummerSlam. Oh, right so on. Like, yeah, so it'd be cool. Like, if, if you're there, you know, if you're here, then Friday night, we can do some like live recording. And I want to try to hook it up where, you know, either through Hamid and probably do cross promotion, where maybe like we can go take the camera down and do like a live little thing inside a ring or something or you know right next to the ring before the show gets going that'd be cool that'd be cool and then you know saturday then we could go over and do carly stuff at cedar point and then we got of course nxt that evening and then god damn between you and carly man if you if you give me midgets on friday <laughs> midgets and, then, and roller coasters and then and then roller coasters on saturday so help me god i might be dead by fucking sunday I mean, like seriously, that, that those are like two of my biggest fears, man. Fucking short, fat, and square heads. Like dwarves don't bother me as long as they're proportionate. But the ones that are short, fat, and have square heads, those are the fucking midgets, and they are just like mutant freaks given to us by God, and they just creep me the fuck out. Oh, that's good stuff. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is. Dwarves, fine. It's a square heads, dude. It's the square heads like an alien fucking species. Get the conspiracy horsemen on that shit. Where the fuck did midgets come from? Sorry to any little people, but uh, there was like there was like races of them too. I've been really I've been really big on this evolution of humans lately. Uh, like I've been watching like a video like a day on this stuff. It, it, what's what's scary about it is though is I didn't realize how advanced we've become in actually manipulating our own DNA. Oh. Uh, it's just like since 2012, like they can go in. I mean, we're almost to the point they can go in and just slice anything out. I mean, we're almost to a la carte babies. You, you want blue hair? You want blue eyes? You want this height? You want this muscle mass? Which, and then there's a lot of people out there thinking, you know, with like alien abduction things, that the way that we're moving and how we've already shown evolution through human, maybe where we're heading, is that these aliens, they might just be fucking time travelers of ourselves from the future. Did you ever see the Hunger Games? I have not. I'd say that's kind of where I see our future. All right, all right, all right. Uh, well, I, I know where our future is going. Uh, about two hours of fucking shoot me in the face talk. across the world.
Still hitting them counters and them lolos, girl. Still taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets. It's the DIY. I'm representing for them gangsters all across the world. Still hitting them counters and them lolos, girl. Still taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets. It's the DIY. What's up? Welcome in. It's time for Season 2, Episode 11 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined, as always, alongside my tag team partner, the Snoop to my Dre, Huckleberry number 1, RBV. Rick, welcome back into your show. Hey, brother, it's good to be back here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Before we jump in to all that is this week in professional wrestling, uh, you know, I want to give a major shout out. He is a great supporter of the program. And even more so, he's a great supporter of you and I personally. Uh, he, is, he has done so much to help us along, in, you know, in, in our adventures and journeys in this podcasting game. Today is his day. It is Big Ray Day. Happy birthday, Big Ray. Hope you're enjoying it. The reporter of the people, the man with the plan, Big Ray, here to stay. Happy birthday to you my friend today i i affectionately call big ray fucker that's my pet name for big ray every time i send him a message i'm just like hey fucker and then he comes back and he calls me something that's far worse than that that even i won't repeat on an nsfw show there we go there we go that's our big ray that's our big ray happy birthday to big ray um so i guess let's let's jump on the road to wrestlemania rick because you know I, my my tolerance for WWE bullshit is at an all-time high right now. We are on the road to WrestleMania, and I ju- I had to force myself to sit down and watch the product this week. Fastlane was just such a kick in the balls to me that I did not want to watch Monday Night Raw. I did not want to watch Tuesday Night SmackDown, but I did. Well, I, you know, I put over Monday in the locker room over... Uh, you know, on the the Hameen Media Group platform, you know, one positive coming out of Fastlane is ne- is you know both brands are now truly on that road to WrestleMania. They they are focused. They are starting to really develop those stories going forward. I, I was kind of like you though. Uh, I wasn't. You know, we've seen this from Raw over the last couple of weeks. You know, we're a couple of weeks removed from the Elimination Chamber. They've kind of already been moving in that direction. I didn't really see a reason on Monday that you know to to make it a point to sit down and watch the program in real time. You know, actually anything that would have been laid out in front of me seemed better than, than sitting through three hours of the programming. So yeah, I did take the uh, the easy way out when it came to Raw this week. Uh, I I went through uh, kind of fast forwarded through the segments at a later date. Actually, just just got through watching it. Uh, is in its entirety or, you know, just get the points of each segment uh, just before our record time. Now, SmackDown, on the other hand, you know, I was a little more uh, intrigued at what they had going on, especially coming out of Fastlane. How are they really going to uh, to turn up that volume? I, I'm going to say, you know, looking at both shows, I'm going to probably give each this week a two and a half face slaps, but I don't know. You know, I, I'm not any more interested in WrestleMania than, than I was coming into this week. And that becomes the problem. I mean, you know, and this is one of those, this is what I'm calling the paper WrestleMania. Because when I look at this WrestleMania on paper, I see very good talents matched up against one another. 
It's just the storytelling is so freaking bad. Well, and that's, you know, that's really been an issue going back to probably WrestleMania 30. Yeah. That we really haven't had any, you know, a great storytelling and that drama building up. And, you know, for, from this fan's perspective, that's one of the number one reasons that, you know, I've been so heavily invested in professional wrestling all these years. To me, it's about the drama, the characters. It just, you know, just that grab you, pull you in storytelling. And that has just been absent for, you know, for quite, quite so many years now. Yeah. So let's, let's start with their biggest story that they have going on right now. And that, of course, is Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon. And this program got about one minute's worth of lip service on live television. Otherwise, it was all video package. That's the biggest story that they're trying to push going into WrestleMania. And it gets one minute worth of talk time. One minute before they shift. I, I do kind of agree with you. There should have been a little more focus on this program. If Rousey's not going to be there, fine. But then have Hunter there or have Stephanie there. I, I was actually okay with none of them actually being present at the show. I was okay with that. Now, what I really would have, have liked is maybe... You know, some packages where you are going a little more in-depth from each side. You know, really give me, especially, you know, one of the main issues I have with, with, with Rhonda being there so much is that they, they're overexposing her weaknesses. And they're convincing us kind of not to care about it. You know, now through video packages and their great editing, they can, they can hide those those flaws that she has at this point in her game. They can emphasize her strong points. They can, they do tremendous storytelling with their promo packages. I would have preferred to see more of those. And maybe, you know, it's, you know, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but at least she's not physically there on the screen talking down to people. I, I wouldn't have, you know, mind maybe a sit down minute or so with Stephanie to, to present a different angle to this thing here. Uh, I, and you're talking about, you know, they really only focused on this. I was more turned away from how they actually presented Angle when he was dealing with other situations outside of this match. Uh, once again, it was the spineless, beaten down, simply there to keep his job, Kurt Angle. Yeah, and that's the thing that pissed me off is because you literally saw both Kurt Angle characters within a span of about 20 seconds. Because at one point, he's looking right into the camera and he's, you know, I almost feel bad for Stephanie McMahon because of what Ronda Rousey is going to do to her. But I'm not going to feel bad whatsoever for what I'm going to do to you, Triple H. And then Roman's music hits and immediately he goes to dog with his tail t Tucked between his legs, Kurt Angle. Yeah, corporate stooge, Kurt Angle, uh, resurfaces there. I just would have liked to see, you know, even if you you weren't, if you're going that route, you don't have Hunter, Stephanie, Ronda there. You do have Kurt. He is still there running the show. I would like to see some more fire. You know, he's finally stood up to those that, that were holding him down, that had their foot on his throat. He's stood up to them. He needs to assert himself. I am the GM, damn it. 
This is my show, and I'm going to make sure that Raw is the absolute best that it can be, and there's no one around here who's going to tell me otherwise or, you know, or show me otherwise. So we now know, rather than being at Monday Night Raw, Ronda Rousey was on the Ellen show. That's what she was doing instead. Uh, that show was taped on Monday, and then it aired on Tuesday. I know this because I edit the Ellen show every day. It comes down the day after it is released. Um, did you get to see any of this interview? I did. Uh, I, I I followed up whatever you know. I, I picked up on it from a number of outlets. And hey, brother, it, what a great debate it caused over in the Hami Media Discussion Group on Facebook. And here's the thing: um, <clears throat> people want to talk about kayfabe, and to me, this is something that's entirely different than kayfabe. If you have not seen the interview, this is exactly what she said. I actually typed out the quote. I describe it as a live TV show about a wrestling tournament where everyone does their own stunts. And that's pretty much it. It's not fake fighting. It's scripted. So like when I got slapped across the face the other day, that's a real slap. And there's no way to fake that, you know? Now... Here's my thing with kayfabe. There's a difference between exposing the business, which is exactly what this quote does to me, and just not saying anything. Just go on there and promote the goddamn fight that you are going to have with Stephanie McMahon. That is what you are there to do. You are there to hype the fight. Get people to want to watch you fight. It's the suspension of disbelief. That's what this entire goddamn business is built off of. It's pretty hard to suspend my disbelief when she's coming flat out and saying it's scripted. Yeah, what, what really kills me, and a, and a point I was trying to make over in, in that discussion thread, you know, I, I almost want to just start handing out complimentary $5 face slaps to these individuals with this tunnel vision. You know, who simply, you know, when she comes out and she, you know, no matter what she's saying, well, you guys are getting too worked up. You know, KFAP died, blah, blah, blah. You know, get your heads out of your asses. You know, when we talk about protecting the business, it's not about you have to go out there and constantly pretend, you know, that you're in character or that, yeah, everything is on the legit. You know, it's about showing respect. It's about elevating the product. You don't come out there and just, you know, dumb it down to its simplest form. And, you know, get it to the point where others can can point and laugh and you're highlighting, you know, the stereotypes, you know, the reasons that people mock professional wrestling. Now, her job should have been out there to elevate it. She should have been selling why it's so important, you know, that she has made this decision to become a superstar. Why this is a step forward in her career from just being an MMA fighter or going and working in Hollywood. This is this is the. Those worlds brought together, it is the best of both worlds. And she didn't do any of that. She did not move the agenda forward. I don't think she represented the company in, in all that great of a, of a fashion. And just because some individuals can't get over that what KFAB used to be, and they, and they think that we just want to go back to those days, no, that's not it. It's about respect. And, and the thing is, it's not about what you say. It's about what you don't say. Let people suspend their disbelief. 
That's the entire idea of professional wrestling. If anything, people like Jersey Mike was trying to tell me last night, it's like a movie. No, it's not like a movie. It's not at all like a movie. If it's close to anything whatsoever, it's stand-up comedy. George Carlin wasn't like that all the time. But if you saw him in public, he was George Carlin. You know, it's protect your character, protect the business. Just don't go and overly expose it. Kayfabe's not dead. It's just that you sons of bitches insist on sticking a fork in it and making sure that it is. Transparency is not the answer to everything. It's really not. God damn it. And I'm really surprised, you know, actually you reading out, you know, her actual comments. And yeah, I did hear it, but when you kind of break it down without the visual her there in, in that environment, it comes off much more damaging hearing them back. Uh, I'm really surprised that WWE, that someone from PR, uh, one of the producers was not there all over this thing. Uh, Or maybe they were, and they are just, they're so blind to it themselves that they're damaging their own cause here. If the answer is everyone knows it's scripted, that's fine. Then you don't have to say it over and fucking over. And, And you need to build up what is so tremendous about it? Uh, the way that really came off to me, and and I will say, you know, this is where Rhonda needs to be. She needs to be out there on that PR trail. Yeah, I completely she agree to, she with needs that. To be heading up this campaign, but but when Not you're actually like when this. you're hoping when you're hoping for crossover viewers or to bring uh, eyes back to or new eyes on the product, you don't want to give them a reason to point and laugh and mock what's going on. It should be. Hey, you know, this, man, that sounds actually pretty cool. I mean, we know what it is, but we love other forms of entertainment. This could be pretty good. You know, let's get excited. Let's get invested here. And I think they completely missed the mark. Completely missed the mark. And let, let, let's talk about something else that completely missed the mark, which is the other big program going into WrestleMania. Three years in the making, Brock versus Roman Reigns. And... People are like, why didn't you like this? It's exactly what you said. And it was like, no, okay, let's break this thing down. Number one, I love the fact that Brock Lesnar wasn't there. I totally called that. That was fantastic. It's what transpired afterwards. And here's the problem. This is a great story. It was a great script. It's terribly miscast. This would have worked with legitimately... Anyone on the roster not named Roman Reigns. That's the goddamn problem. When it comes to this thing, we're talking about missing the mark. Not even so much that it's WWE and their creative decision to go this direction. I think it's the marks that are missing the mark. You know, everyone's kind of excited. Oh, it's so real. And, uh, you know, they, they, they crossed the line here. When, when I saw this. You know, my immediate thought and, and from all the hours of listening to, you know, individuals, you know, telling the stories of, you know, how they see things backstage and how they approach things. This was a freaking rib on the on the fans. This was a joke. This was almost a slap in the face of the Smarks. Yeah, not the biggest slap in the face, but it was pretty close. It was pretty well, close. I, you know, just this is almost comparable to, you know, something going back to, we were talking about the last time we had a good story going into WrestleMania. It's going back to then, 
it's they they blur a line here. You know, back then they came out. The story was Daniel Bryan is a B player. He's a B player. We are the authority. We are the management. We choose who goes to the top of the card. We choose who the A players are. We choose who we want in those spots. It what what I mean, kind of what made that so hot is because it was true. Yeah, it was all the true. Fans, the fans understood it. But then there's a backfire because they're like, you know what? This is cool because it's true. But at the at the end of the day, there's a bottom line. You realize, holy shit, this this is how they really decide who you know who's going to move up and who we should cheer for. And it backfired because people are like, wait a minute. It's Roman they choose. And there was a backlash. It lasted to this day. People resent Roman Reigns for it. And now you're going to put him right in a position where, yes, this story is true. There is a Vince guy who is being forced on you, who is being given every opportunity, every advantage, and he is placed at the top of the card. And it's not Brock Lesnar. It's Roman Reigns. Yeah, here's- It's going to backfire on him. It, this is going to cause more heat on him. When you do a work shoot, the problem is you have to have an element of truth to it. That's why this falls so short. The problem is the angle that this is being marketed to, the demographic that this angle is being marketed to, are the same people who know better. That's the problem. We know better. We know Roman Reigns is the chosen one. This story works with anybody but Roman Reigns. Because this story, it's not marketed to the casual fan. It's marketed to the people who are booing Roman Reigns. And this is the very fucking reason that we boo Roman Reigns. I think you know it's so great that they're so cocky. They're like, you know what? Let's tell this story. Let's not just tell this story. Let's take the guy that they hate for all of these reasons and now pretend that he wants to be that righteous being on their behalf. You know, Roman Reigns up to this point, you know, he's acknowledged those sparks. He acknowledges the naysayers and he and he comes at it with, you know what? You keep on this route, but like it or not, this is my yard. I'm the big dog. I'm the one that's, that's here to stay. And the reason he is there is because everyone perceives him as Vince's boy. And that was the thing. It was the specific dialogue. When Roman Reigns came out and said, Brock Lesnar is Vince's boy. I don't know how everybody's heads didn't explode. When they didn't just see it for the facade and the ridiculousness that was going on in front of them. And people ate it up. I'll say... That audience didn't seem like they were buying it. The, the, the Detroit audience in that arena, I don't think they were eating it up as much as WWE would have liked them to. But you are right. But those at home, those who were watching and that you like the conversation that's kind of picked up over the next, you know, these last few days since then. It, it seems people are getting on board with this. It, to me, it's, it's a major rib against those sparks. It, almost to a point where it's, It's like a slap in the face. Best case scenario. Best case. You're going to end up with WrestleMania 20 here. That's what I'm afraid of. 
I think both guys are going to be booed excessively. What do you think? I, I, I don't think we're going to get to that point. If it comes uh, it, out that Lesnar is leaving, which is very much the way some of these reports are sounding, whether I believe them or not, because I still think a John Jones fight is like, what, a year and a half away? I just I don't see it happening. But if, if it comes out that Brock Lesnar is leaving and Roman Reigns is going over, which we all know is going to be the result there, I think both guys are going to be booed out of the building just like Brock and Goldberg at WrestleMania 20. I, I, I don't think it's going to get to that level because I think the backlash from them presenting Roman in this manner is going – it's going to come down so hard. I actually think that even if it comes out that he's on his way out, that Brock's going to get some sympathy and some support from the fans here. This goes back to Heyman's promo, you know, was it two, you know, two weeks ago, two rolls ago, where, he, you know, he, Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. People respect that out of him. We know what we get with Brock. You know what? It is true. He is there for money. He doesn't give a crap about the fans. We all know this. That's what. That's the appeal of Brock Lesnar. I, I don't think people are really going to give that give that much of a crap about it. But they're sure as hell going to see right through this phony act with Roman Reigns, and they're going to sure as hell see through this act with them trying to betray him. Now is this you know this all righteous being who is there defending you know the the best interests of the WWE universe? They're going to crap all over this eventually. So let's move on to a program that doesn't suck. Well, yeah, I, I, one more thing bothered me about that. Oh. It just absolutely bothered me is that they go to Gorilla and they show Vince McMahon. So now what that really tells, you know, we all know that he is there running the show. But you don't present it. And now the casuals know that. So now when Kurt Angle's out there doing something or, or Stephanie's out there, or we have some kind of conflict. Now we know Vince is always sitting right there. Why isn't he interjecting? And Shane. And Shane. I think that I think the Shane thing was just It was a total plant to make it feel it, more like a shoot. It was it was to it was to further the rib. They are just yep. back there laughing at the smarks. This was a cheap shot by them. Uh, you know, just to get their to get their kicks and a little chuckle backstage and uh, and a lot of these smarks are just getting worked like crazy. There's another theory that I heard last night. Uh, Rick, are you familiar with the uh, pro wrestling journalist by the name of Bruce Mitchell? I can't say that that I am. Uh, he he lives uh, down in North Carolina, and he is the guy is basically a walking encyclopedia of uh, professional wrestling knowledge, and he thinks that that entire thing was a way for Vince to basically rewrite history from the Montreal screw job. And that's why Shane was there because it was supposed to feel exactly like that back in gorilla, except this time things came out the way Vince wanted instead of the way that they did. That was his take on it. And I thought that was an interesting, yeah, pretty interesting kind of take on it. So I don't know if there's anything to it, but it is an interesting take. You know, one more thing before moving on here. You did get one thing you wanted. You said you wanted Roman gone for a couple of weeks. 
So it looks maybe like with the suspension, you might get that. Yep. At least a week. Yep. Roman gone for a couple weeks. Guess what that means? Time for Brock Lesnar to come back. That Because we got to keep them apart. That's that's the goal here. We're trying to keep them apart. Uh, so let's talk about a program that doesn't suck before we move on to more levels of sucktitude. Uh, because I, I can only take so much bad news at, at one time. Uh, Miz versus Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. This is probably the highlight of every show for me at this point, Rick. Miz TV. And Miz has the cojones to bring out his two competitors as his guests for Miz TV this week. What did you think? I'm right there with you, man. You know, if there is anything that that's got me interested uh, in, on this road to WrestleMania, it is definitely, you know, this program going on with the, with the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, again here, you know, the guys were kind of playing to their strengths. You know, the Miz is out carrying these guys on the mic. Uh, I think a few, you know, a few times he really had to reach down uh, to get the, the segment back on track. Uh, but that's what the Miz does. I mean, he, he is just so masterful, uh, you know, just on the stick, getting the stories going. Uh, again, bravo to him. Uh, you could tell Seth seemed like he struggled a little bit. Finn is, is obviously just not in either of their leagues on the mic. Uh, but that's not his strong suit. And, and I think, you know, when we get the match made with these two, uh, it, it keeps fans excited. These two go in there and they work pretty well together. I thought it, I thought it was genius the way that this promo was done because you have the, basically you have the smartest guy in the room and he's playing puppet master and he's trying to get Finn versus Seth and Seth knows what's going on and Finn knows what's going on. But at the end of it, what happened? Miz played them both and they ended up against each other, even though they both knew what was going on. You're right. You know, the ultimate manipulator even gets called out twice trying to, you know, to get where he wants to go, but he ultimately works it in his favor. Yeah. I thought it was genius the way that that segment was booked. Thought that was just absolutely genius. People looking for me to put something over. I'm putting the Miz over this week because that was fantastic. Very much enjoyed the Balor versus Rollins match. Uh, I understand that there was a bit of confusion when it comes to the finish. I watched it, and I don't know if it, have people not been watching Seth Rollins matches for the last six months. He does the superplex. He rolls through it. He does the Falcon Arrow. Finn outsmarted him, knew it was coming, and rolled him up. That was the story that was told there. I don't see what the big problem was. Yeah, I, mean, I, didn't, I guess I didn't pick up on it. You know, people were having an issue. I thought it was uh, a fantastic finish. Oh, some pe- some people inside of, like, the discussion group and stuff were like, oh, sure, just bury the superplex. Superplex, no sell, roll him up. No, 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 that's not what was going on here. There was a bigger story at work here. I, this is a common Seth Rollins move. Finn had it well scouted, rolled him up out of it. And, and I, you know, even no selling the, the superplex, he sold the shit out of it afterwards. You know, that was, you know, that roll up there was a desperation. Hey, I, I know it's here. Let me grab on. This is going to, it has to, you know, this has to work for me or I'm in trouble. Uh, and like you said, you know, Finn scouted it and it kind of goes through, Hey man, I, I got your number again. And it, it, I really want to see, and I liked, you know, some of the frustration from Rollins afterwards as well. You know, maybe in his head he's thinking, man, I, maybe I got to mix up my game a little bit here. I really want to see some some real heat developing between these two. 
I, you know, I want something of, you know, Finn kind of has his number, you know, is knows his game is one step ahead of him. And I want to see him go back and revisit, you know, where Seth, you know, kind of goes a little underhanded sometimes with him because he's been stopping his head in the match. See, and I, I, I guess I view it a little bit differently. I'm viewing it on the, the levels of evil at this point. So you have the Miz, who is obviously the smartest guy in the room. You have Balor, who is probably the most talented when you combine his wrestling IQ with it. And then you have Rollins, who has really kind of stepped into that, hey guys, this is all about me and you. That role that Roman Reigns is trying to get into right now, where he's trying to convince people, I'm fighting for you. Somehow, Seth Rollins has become that guy. And I've noticed it in his promos for the last, I don't know, month and a half now. Somehow, Seth Rollins has really gotten this fan base behind him since he has left the tag team division and Jason Jordan behind and just moved into being a single superstar again. I think Seth Rollins is your lead babyface right now. I think he definitely could go into that role. I, you, there, there might be some argument there with some other competitors there, but you know, people want to cheer, want to cheer Rollins, and for so long they just, you know, they fought it, fought it, fought it. It's like the face turn finally caught up to him. It was just when they right. turned him out of nowhere, it just didn't work. If they just would have turned him when he came back at Extreme Rules, man, it would have been hot. But no, they have him come out the next night on Raw and shit all over everybody. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe that that people were were dumping on this finish. I thought it was a good finish. It made complete sense. It, it keeps the story going forward. And initially, like when I saw him, you know, with with the roll up there, I, I immediately thought, man, I liked it. You know, he, he, he caught him. He did his homework. But then I was like, all right, now keep selling it for me, though, man. And he stayed down for a while. And he, I mean, you could tell he was in pain. I thought he did a good job there. I like that Rollins is kind of becoming the new Dolph Ziggler. He's, he's stealing all these matches, but he's taking all the losses. Eventually though, I have to believe that this is going to pay off in the long run for Seth Rollins. Uh, let, let, let's talk about, uh, John Cena and undertaker because I, and you notice I actually have this now below the intercontinental title match because what happened Monday night was just about the lowest of all common denominators as I could possibly think of. Uh, I thought it was a tale of two promos. I thought the first half of the John Cena promo where he was convinced that I'm a fan and I'm going to WrestleMania. And then everything went terribly, terribly, terribly wrong for me. Rick, how did you feel about this entire sequence? I thought the entire thing sucked. Uh, again, you know, going back to what they're going, you know, what they're trying with Roman and how they're approaching that in, entire storyline. Uh, this here again, it almost seemed like it, it was it was meant as a rib, like they were just taking another shot uh, at the smarks that get off when they're being pandered to. Like this is one of those things where it's just like I look at the paper. And it says John Cena versus Undertaker. And I'm like, God damn, that's going to be awesome. And then I watch how this thing is playing out. And I'm just like, but, but why? Why didn't you do something cool? No, you just have John Cena come out and say, I challenge the Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's, I mean, it's the perfect. It's probably, 
you know, the bottom line, lowest common denominator booking, uh, you know, instead of actually getting people emotionally invested in trying to tell uh, an intriguing story, you know, one of internal struggle and, and, you know, and John truly questioning himself, you know, to actually get people to, to relate. I know we've all been there in life. Where you question your direction, you know, is it worth pushing forward? Are you making the right decisions? I mean, that's something we all can buy into. And then you can insert Undertaker, you know, who who also has had, you know, those questions made, you know, of him. And we can only assume, you know, quite possibly is he having that his own internal struggle? You know, does he think that he still has anything left in the tank? Instead of giving us a, you know, something we can all relate to something we can buy into. We get this very simple John out here again, uh, pan directly pandering, yelling at the top of his of his voice, and just and just blatantly just for no apparent reason just throwing out what the hell he you know the point of the situation is. Like he, here's the thing, okay, going back to last year's WrestleMania, remember when he cut that promo and he said, "If I had it my way." I'd be facing the undertaker at WrestleMania. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And then we just went through like an elimination chamber and a six pack challenge. And why in the fuck didn't he just do this? Like a year and a half ago. Why didn't he just, I mean, if, if John Cena has this power, why didn't he just come out and say, I challenged the undertaker to a match at WrestleMania like well, a year and, and a half ago. And you know, at this point by just coming out, in demanding something like this, you know, it kind of goes against, you know, what John usually stands for. And especially these last couple, you know, from the rumble on where, you know what, I'm John Cena. I fight my way to opportunity. I earned those. Okay. That didn't work. I'm going to the chamber. I'm going to try it here again. Missed that one too. You know what, but I'm still John Cena. I'm going to look for the next opportunity and capitalize on that. It didn't work. Now we're getting kind of spoiled brat. Yeah. Hey, I'm John Cena. I, hey, I, I do what I want around here. Give me Taker. I'll right. put the ball in his court. Like, I know I've lost all these matches trying to find my way to WrestleMania, but now I'm just going to come out in the ring and say, bitch, I'm John Cena, and I want The Undertaker, and since we all know that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is going to get booed out of the building, you should probably make us the main event, too. Like, seriously, that, that, that's the story going on here. It just doesn't make any sense. And then Mr. Hustle, loyalty, and um, what's that other word? Respect just goes to town on The Undertaker. And it's like, where the hell has this John Cena been for the last decade? Think of how much money we could have made with disrespectful shit, fuckhead John Cena. Like, we had the second half of that promo. How much money did we leave on the table not doing that? Uh, completely bottom of the barrel booking here. But again, you know, because they because of the pandering, some people are just going to take to it. Uh, this comes back, you know, I, I just, I, I hope individuals that are listening to this really think about what they are presenting to you. Get out of that tunnel vision. Look at a grander picture here. And please expect more when it comes to developing these storylines. If you just would have had the first half of that John Cena promo, and then John Cena gets back in the ring and goes back into that solemn, dejected John Cena tone and says, I guess I'll see y'all at WrestleMania, and starts walking out, and the gong goes off, 
And then John Cena gets that little kid in the candy store look on his face. It would have been so much better and we would have ended up exactly in the same place. And it would have been uh, I, so I, I, much I mean, better. I, I thought the entire thing was garbage. I would have went at this so differently. I, it, and, and it's not like they're reinventing the wheel here or anything. This is a story that is you could go to, you know, through mythology to anything in cinema. This is a very basic story that you could tell that is very relatable and is going to invoke quite a bit of emotion. Uh, but no, now they're just running it out there and a guy that, you know, has, has become a part-timer who is off in Hollywood doing his thing is, is just using his stroke to demand something now. Uh, that's not relatable. You know, that actually is more irritating than anything else. Is it as uh, irritating as Roman Reigns saying that if he lost his job tomorrow, he wouldn't be able to feed his kids? Fuck off out of here. The amount of money that you've made in the last five years, you can't feed your kids. That's a you problem. Huh? I, I think I think how they are presenting both of these major programs, they're going to seriously backfire on them. And that's the thing. I look at it on paper, and I see Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Hmm, that should be a good match. John Cena versus The Undertaker. Fuck yeah, I want to see that. And then I watch the TV, and it's just like, Why? Well, this is picking up steam here. Uh, how would you feel about uh, American Badass version of Taker? I just, I think Kid Rock has a different role at WrestleMania. I, I don't even think I know what that's kind of what has has really brought this conversation to the forefront. I would, and I've said all along, you know, I wouldn't see, I wouldn't mind seeing one more return of that Undertaker. Uh, that would be fine with me. My concern overall would be is how confusing it would be to a, a good majority of the audience. Yeah, yeah, it would definitely be confusing to a good chunk of the audience. And I hope if we get American Badass Taker, then I want uh, uh, the Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena. No, I, I don't even want that. If you know, if it comes down to it, the way Cena actually did present himself, uh, he came off like uh, pretty much you know uh, an entitled entitled sob there. Uh, so if, if we do get the American Badass. Uh, I want him to just come out and just completely whoop his ass for being a, a spoiled punk now. I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. Speaking of ass whoopings, let's uh, let's talk about the tag team division real quick before we uh, head over to break. Uh, let, let, the Bar versus Braun Strowman, is, is that the WrestleMania match now? Man, I am really on the fence on this one. This is one of those things, I, I guess I don't want to get so fired up for right now. I, this is one of the things I, I will let play out. I, I guess they, they, I guess they haven't shown me enough here. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't surprised to see Braun kind of decimate the rest of the tag division because come on, they've been doing a great job creatively of doing that themselves for, for months now. Well, now I guess here's the question. All right. So shortly before we started recording here, we saw that one Mr. Johnny Bravo is going to be uh, dropping something here on Friday, which happens to be 316. I'm, I'm sure that that's absolutely no coincidence whatsoever. Uh, did they pull the trigger on this maybe a week too soon? Uh, because if something comes out and we uh, learn something about Roman Reigns here, uh, did, did, did they, basically, did they cut off their legs with their plan B by pulling this trigger already? I was never, I was never buying into this brawn as held for plan B. Uh, I, and, and, and everyone's kind of, they're, they're jumping on, 
on board with this Bravo thing. This guy has not followed through with anything yet. Oh, I'm I think you, I, I think it's a bunch of smoke and mirrors. He's he's blowing, he's blowing, uh, you know, this thing completely out of his ass. I don't think we're going to get anything that's so damaging that WWE is going to have to, you know, change the course. I, I don't. I, I think we're. I, th- I think it's going to be something, yeah, that the sheets are going to love to jump all over, but I don't think there's going to be any substance to this thing. Well, then let's look at Braun versus the bar. I mean, it, it basically, it sets up, you have the the bar versus the Miz Taraj, which becomes a battle royal with all the raw tag teams in it. Braun Strowman cuts a terrible, one of them freaking promos backstage with the, uh, Batman 1966 graphics popping up on the screen, which totally takes me out of the moment and tells me that it's a pre-tape. And then Braun comes out, decides that he's going to jump into the battle Royal. And then we have a chicken shit, Seamus and Cesaro. And that's how we go off the air as it it appears as though we're going to have Braun versus a scared bar. Why would the bar be scared of Braun? And that's that's what I don't get. Yeah, I understand. You know that they booked Braun as this, you know, this unstoppable force. He is the monster among men. I'm sorry. Sheamus and Cesaro two on one would be able to beat his ass. Yeah, I mean, come on, come on, come on. They're two of the toughest SOBs in the company. Yeah, I, I, I almost feel like they need to force Braun to choose a tag team partner just so we have somebody else to take the fall in this match so we can and, still and protect Braun from the bar. It, th- that's where I'm really on the fence about this. Like I said, you know, I, I was okay with him going through the Battle Royal uh, because, like I said, you know, WWE Creative has, has done a, a, a gone overboard themselves with just decimating, you know, this division, it, it is a complete joke. There are no true contenders there, but you know, one positive is you do have legit champions there. They're two of the top performers in the world. They have, they have gelled together to become a legit tag team. They are great represent representatives of your, you know, for your championships. Uh, and it's, that's where it really kind of burns me. If they're going to have him go in there and just mow through these two, uh, that's just going to leave a, a really bad taste in my mouth. I've I've heard some talk of Elias becoming Braun's tag team partner for this thing. Does that do anything for you? Not really. If you know, not, it, what do you it, see? It, what do you see Elias doing at Mania? It, it, see, that's where I'm, I'm really on the fence with this thing. I, I don't know the direction for those guys. I don't know what the right direction is. I think I think I would just have Elias do an in-ring concert featuring Kid Rock. I would put Elias and Kid Rock together in one segment. Yeah, I, I could almost see that, too, because you know what? You know, the big emphasis is put on WrestleMania moments. Yeah, ra- rather it, than it, having Elias wrestle a match that nobody's going to care about because nobody cares about Elias once the bell rings, let's do something character-wise with Kid Rock. And, you know, that's where, you know, his strong suit is. It's in that character. So do something that's really going to, you know, set that off. Play to his strengths there. We, we've got plenty of other individuals that can go in and, 
and you know take care of the wrestling portion of the the variety show. Go out there and give Elias, you know, 12, 15 minutes for his character to shine. So, once again, who would be Braun's tag team partner if you had your choice? Man, could this be one of those things that I always just, like, <laughs> defer to later? Uh, I, I think I'd really have – I've seen all the rumors and, you know, what other people are pitching. And I, I don't know if anything – jumps out at me well here's my plug for you i think what we need to do is we need to get your boy on the stevie richards fitness program let's get james ellsworth on the stevie richards fitness program and maybe by wrestlemania he'll be in good enough shape to be braun Strowman's tag team partner and become one half of the new tag team champions wouldn't that just bring the whole Ellsworth thing to a perfect close for you? Man, I, you know, I, you know what? I think that could work. You know, we were talking about some, some memorable WrestleMania moments. I think and that's I, the I think one. And especially with the type of audience you have at WrestleMania. I, I think, think that's the one. The, you know, the man with two hands and them hands going to get you. Coming to uh, make a moment at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I think out of all the ones I've heard, I think that's probably the best pitch. All right, well, let's throw it over to a word from uh, Stevie Richards Fitness so Ellsworth knows how to get in touch with the man himself. Then we'll follow that with a musical break, and we'll come back. We'll do segment two. We'll get in the Jersey Mike segment. We'll talk some Styles Nakamura, the ultimate deletion, the SmackDown Tag Team Division, the U.S. title, and all that other black hole stuff. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is the T-Smashing, jaw-cracking kid from the east side of Cleveland, Ohio, Shane Taylor. And you're listening to my Ohio brother, RBV, and that Bullet Club, Mark Jargo. Ganja, burn till it's gone, Doja Cologne, OG missed on, calls to return, my to-do list long, but I'm unconcerned, what can you do this blown, cloudy eye, stroke, change up my schedule, I wrote a couple of them up and look what it led to, not no regular marijuana, that shit is special, smell the odor, a non-smoker, inhale a chest full, wanna forget about what I gotta do today, case of a random rap CD used as a doobie tray, hit the end of the L and tap it to lick it through away, try to fit the rest of this G of Diesel into a J, keep on my hands, Push on my pants, shifting my plans. 
Past the complete, but passing some tree like that to some heat. I got places to go, people to see, things I should do, somewhere I could be. But that's some good weed. Yeah, that's some good weed. You can tell by the look on my face. Ain't no way to hide that I smoke. And it smell as good as it tastes. It's like Kush my cologne. Now that's some good weed. Trappy cone, had me blown. Everyday boom bastic, shaggy song Make you wanna go and put some turkey patties on After that you wanna serve your lady daddy long Taking a cone to Gary Clark Jr. was pivotal Me and Boricua told him careful, the strain is critical They were hospitable, we got on their bus and lit a few Picked up his new guitar, his strumming sounded like syllables I think I'm tripping, I think it's riffing It's talking to me, saying words and ain't no talking, just listening Bus so cloudy, I don't think nobody's suspicion It's pointing at me, twitching like Smokey in the coop with chickens Lifting higher, so high, I think I'm up with Christians Out of they shell, they spirits only existing bumped into god and his aura is hella glistening with gary clark's face with another spliff he was twisting then i say whoa man i gotta go man that cavi so strange and i said that with no shame i was lit up like propane tripping over this dope strain gary say do you think the cavi is mixed with cocaine i don't know i don't know all i know is that i super fire when i blow he say thanks for the dough i say have a good show i was on one and i hope he didn't know i got places to go people to see things i should do somewhere i could be but that's some good Weed. Yeah, that's some good weed. You can tell by the look on my face. Ain't no way to hide that I smoke. And it smell as good as it tastes. It's like Kush my cologne. Now that's some good weed. That's some good weed. That's some good weed. That's some good weed. I got places to go, people to see, things I should do, somewhere I could be, but that's some good weed. Yeah, that's some good weed. You can tell by the look on my face, ain't no way to hide that I smoke, and it smell as good as it tastes. It's like Kush my cologne, now that's some good weed. So we're back for segment two. That was a, a shout out to our boy, uh, Matthew Gage. He always tells me, you know, that I should just watch this shit when I'm high and it's good stuff. And then my buddy Luke, uh, he wanted to hear some Dr. Dre. So we played that off the top. So let's, uh, let's talk about SmackDown Live and, and the, what's going on with the women. I guess we'll just go ahead and throw it over to the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex, softer, prettier. So, Rank, where do we uh, where do we want to begin with this fabulous moolah thing? It seems like it's it's really taken on legs of its own. I, I saw there's a petition on change.org and everything I was for say, it now. Uh, that, that broke earlier this afternoon or this morning, correct? As uh, our record time that that's been out. Yeah. Uh, they, they, when I saw it, it was up to about 7,500 signatures. Wow. Uh, that, that seems to be, to be taking off, uh, rather quickly. People, people are pissed about this, man. Uh, it, this has been a, a well-exposed story over the course of the years. And I cannot believe that the WWE said, here's this Pandora's box. Please open it for us. 
Well, it would really, you know, this, you know, for those that, you know, are members of the internet wrestling community that, you know, have, have researched the history of this business. And, and yeah, we, we know that these personalities, you know, they're just like other individuals, you know, they, they have some, some demons in their closet. Uh, but this one uh, is, is a rather peculiar case, you know, especially with, you know, uh, with everything going on in the media and just in society today, you know, with such, uh, you know, the, the hot topics involving the hashtag me too, you know, and, and how women are, you know, being victimized and, and abused and mistreated to really, I guess, put an individual up on a pedestal here who, you know, really embodied everything that, you know, this negativity that we're seeing come out in society today. And man, it's, it's pretty puzzling. Uh, I, WWE is in the middle of doing their, their women's revolution, women's evolution, whatever the hell they want to call it this week. The entire reason that we have to have a women's revolution is because of moolah. Like not because of people like moolah, because of moolah. I, she, she set women's wrestling back legitimately 30 freaking years. And now we're just going to turn around and celebrate her. I mean, and I feel like this is just an equal opportunity thing. You know, like we celebrate the ultimate warrior and he was a piece of shit. So now we have to find a woman's counterpart and uh, fabulous moolah does a, a very good job of making the ultimate warrior look good. Well, I'm going to say, you know, I, I don't even like the comparison between those two uh, warrior, you know, he was just a delusional he, fuckhead. He, you know, he had his opinions and, and viewpoints, uh, but Bula was actually out physically harming individuals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you know, just I mean, she was directly altering their lives, putting them in some rather not even I don't even say rather unpleasant, uh, some very degrading and unnecessary positions to further her own agenda. I mean, this is uh, this is some pretty low life scumbag practices that she was into. Yeah, I, and it, it's just insulting. It's insulting all the way around. It's insulting to your audience. It's insulting to your talent roster. It's insulting to your past talent roster. And I I could not believe Stephanie McMahon was in that video package, putting over the fabulous moolah. I, you know, I, I really, I've really felt bad for the talents that were put in that position. I feel bad for the talents that are going to be a part of this thing because some of these women are already getting backlash on Twitter and it's not their fault that the company is doing this, but it, it, it puts know, them in a terrible it's, spot. It's, it's not their fault that the company is doing this. And we are in an era where, you know, these talents, they're afraid to speak up, you know, against anything, you know, the company directive, you know, it's not a position where, you know, you can go in there, you know, and fight for your, your spot on a card or, you know, speak up. If you don't like the direction that they're going in here, they can't do that because they're, they're fearful of their jobs. And, know. You know, they're, and, and, you know, and there's another thing, you know, maybe they might not even really understand what she was all about. Yeah, I remember uh, this came up last year with Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano had posted a picture of himself in his Ultimate Warrior t-shirt, 
promoting the all the uh, Warrior Award, and Chucky e. T, who we now know of ROH fame, PWG fame, reached out to Gargano on Twitter and said, uh, "You do know the history here, right?" And Gargano was like, "No, I have no idea." And the next thing you know, that picture was gone. I mean, that's just one of those things where the younger generation needs to educate themselves on the history of this business. And there are some things that you just leave alone. Like this, this ranks right up there with, you know, the Chris Benoit father of the year award. Like, no, there's just some things you don't do. I can't even watch a Chris Benoit match to this day. I cannot bring myself to do it. Well, you know, what, what really surprises me, you know, versus that Stephanie would be included in something with this, you know, how much it's about protecting her. Yeah. I couldn't believe that they, they made her a part of that. Could not believe it. And, and you know, this, this might be a little controversial. This might be a little too hot of a take, but you know, really breaking this down. Maybe I'm not all that surprised, you know, looking at the circumstances, you know, the, the mullah battle Royal, it, maybe it's quite fitting, you know, modern day WWE, they can spin it however they want. No, but essentially all they're doing is what Mula did. You know, they're whoring out these ladies, you know, to get the Stephanie agenda over. You know, they they don't care about the reality of situations. They don't care that that they're truly showing, you know, treat doing a disservice to these women, that they don't even really value them as talents within their company. It's all about their PR agenda and getting lady balls to the forefront. And putting her in this bigger spotlight where she is, you know, some grand entity in this women's rights movement. And it's all up, it's all facade and it's a bunch of bullshit. So it doesn't surprise me one bit that they will look the other way and just try to sweep under the rug how terrible of a person, you know, the great Mula was and how terrible of an idea this is, as long as there's enough individuals, as long as there's enough marks out there. Who will just continue to consume this bullshit that they are fed. Should have been called the Mildred Burke Memorial Battle Royal. That's what it should have been called. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Because it's not even worth talking about. Because that's how fucking terrible of a person the Fabulous Moolah was. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about the, uh, the women currently on the roster. And some of the setup that we've got for programs going into WrestleMania. Rick, I am so far beyond confused as to what in the hell is going on here. All right, so Sunday night at Fastlane, Asuka comes out, confronts Charlotte Flair. We now know that we're going to get Asuka versus Charlotte at WrestleMania, correct? We, we do know that. Okay, then why in the fuck is Asuka on Raw why is she wrestling Mickey James this week on Raw? Why is she wrestling Alexa Bliss next week on Raw? She's now a SmackDown superstar. Well, you know, they, they never really clear cut today. She is challenging Charlotte. Uh, so until she would actually claim that championship, maybe her contract does not transfer. I was actually, oh, I'm not. Once again, this is an example of right direction, terrible execution for me. I actually, you know, we talked about this in the locker room. You know, if they're going to make this move, you know, they still have this this wide open loose end involving Bliss on the other side. I like that they're attempting to explain things and give us a bit of closure on that end of things. I, I'm, a, I'm perfectly okay with it. Uh, I, I thought how they presented it was just 
just cringeworthy. Uh, and that way, we're going to get into some more of just completely missing the mark uh, when we get into how they actually further presented this on SmackDown. Again, you know, they are doing Asuka no favors by continuing to expose her weaknesses. Uh, it was it was very difficult to get through her promo, but the point was there, and it makes perfect sense. I chose Charlotte because I want the better champion. I know that you you can run your mouth all you want. You can try your manipulative games. You can send anyone you want at me, Bliss. But it's not going to work. You're the inferior being here, and you're not worth. You're not on my radar. Okay, so the, I, I, I can save this. I can save this, all right? I have an idea to save this entire thing, and I think it works, and I think everybody's going to agree with me. Bliss needs to run her mouth as much as she possibly can on Twitter over the course of the next week, all right? Next week, Kurt Angle needs to open the show and announce that due to Alexa Bliss's actions on Twitter over the course of the past week and over the course of the past months towards Asuka. Tonight, we are going to have Asuka versus Alexa Bliss, and it is for the Raw Women's Championship. If Asuka wins the Raw Women's Championship tonight, she will go on to WrestleMania to face Charlotte Flair for the undisputed WWE Women's Championship. Let's unify this division because coming out of WrestleMania, regardless of who the SmackDown Women's Champion is, they don't have any challengers. And there's nobody on Monday Night Raw right now worthy of carrying that title that's not named Alexa Bliss and people seem that they're ready for her to drop it. So it's time to unify the division. What do you think? Hey, you are uh, on your march through March to get some titles unified, aren't you? I, hashtag no more belts, man. No more belts. And then if we want to explore doing a tag team title for the women, fine. But if we're going to do that, we need to unify this entire division into one division and get down to one title first. I, I, I do feel you. I mean, and the, the best point you really make there is yes, it's great to have two championship programs going to WrestleMania, but when you really break it down and you start looking you know, towards the spring and summer, there are no legit contenders outside of what we've got right now. Yep, it's time uh, to unify the title. There isn't a whole lot in the cupboard, so maybe, maybe it is time to look in that direction. And again, for me, so much ways on where this the TV negotiations go. Yep. Absolutely. You know what what does the future actually hold for for the brand split? Uh, even if even if they really didn't want to go unify them, I love your idea. Really heating it up through social media this week uh, with Bliss just absolutely running her mouth. You know, running her mouth about you know a multitude of things. You know, she's she's got some other. Uh, very pressing issues on her plate that she has to be concerned about. Uh, but it, I just think it would be it would be such a great announcement and actually give you know a great buzz around the show, even if you booked it as Bliss. You're defending your championship here tonight. You know I, I'm sick of people, and this goes back to Kurt actually grabbing control of his show 
and showing that that he that he is still in possession of his balls. You know, I, I'm tired of this. Everyone wants to run their mouth and run and hide and this and that. This well, has I, been going I, on for weeks. And, and I, I won't even like make it a point across the whole show. Yep. You know what? You know, Bliss. You, you sat there. You accused me of you know favor you know favoritism towards Brock. Essentially, you, you called me sexist. This is BS. For, I'm putting my foot down here. You're not getting your way. You're not going to manipulate it your you know, way around things anymore. You're defending that title then. Now, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, if it's not the grand scheme of, you know, the grand plan to unify anything, I wouldn't make a title switch. I'd have Oscar go over, of course, but, you know, let Bliss get the hell out of there. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's other ways that you could protect Bliss if you don't want to unify the titles. I just think there's something like, even like when I look at, Again, on paper, Charlotte versus Asuka, I know, is going to be one hell of a match. But the creative going into it sucks. And I feel like this should be the women's quote-unquote main event. There's no way to make it hotter than champion versus champion for an undisputed championship. And you only get to do that once. This is the match that you do it with because it's your two best. It's the two uh, best. I, I guess since we are talking about we're tying to championships, can, can I can I just talk you know about what we saw between these two on SmackDown, and then and we'll come back to some other women's stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I immediately sent you a message after you know when I saw the segment with these two. Man, it just completely missed. It, it was it was so bad, uh, and you have that you know first impressions are so important. Again, they, you know, they overemphasize the weaknesses of Asuka. She had entirely too much mic time there, as she did on, on Raw. Uh, Charlotte, she is a flair, for God's sake. She knows that now this is the biggest challenge that she's ever had, you know, is calling her out at WrestleMania. Asuka has chosen her. She wants her championship. You're the freaking queen. You're the alpha. Give me some more, some more fire. Give me some more flair. She should have been more dominant on that microphone on Tuesday. She should have been leading the charge instead of sitting back, uh, trying to. I, I don't. It was just so pathetic. Of I don't know if they were just trying to, you know, emphasize you know how much of you know the face or how humble she is now as a champion. I, I wasn't completely buying it. It, it didn't. They didn't come firing out of the gate that the way they should have to really ignite this thing. It's funny because I rail on Charlotte and that I don't like her as a baby face because of her tone and because of her cadence and how she presents herself. And then she comes out on Tuesday and she cuts the best baby face promo I've ever seen Charlotte Flair cut. And it was the one time I didn't want to see a babyface promo out of Charlotte Flair. Like I, I'm right with you. I wanted a little bit more flair. I wanted a little bit more cocky. I wanted a little bit more arrogant. I wanted a little bit more aggressive. I mean, there's a you can still present her as the face, but she's good. Let her. She can say she's good, and she and she has to know she has to bring that game if she wants to be the one. To, you know, the first person that can say I was ready for Oscar. Yep. 
Yeah. I, I Again, I just, I look at it on paper and I'm like, that's going to be awesome. And then I watch the build to it and I'm just like, why? It's just, it, it, it feels like we're still building to Asuka versus Alexa. And by the time that program's over, which is going to be next Monday on Raw, you've got what? Two weeks to really this, build this thing? This, this goes back to, you know, the growing theme you kind of mentioned through this show that we're seeing with WrestleMania. Looks great on paper. But the delivery is just terrible. Yeah, it's just missing the mark. Uh, so so let's talk about the Alexa and Nia backstage. Alexa, Mickey backstage with Nia in the ring after she kills a jobber. I don't even know what to make of this thing anymore, who, Rick. Who was backstage? We had first we had oh, Alexa and oh, Nia backstage. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Listen, listen, Mickey. I I keep getting them confused with uh, Regina and Gretchen. Tremendous, tremendous. Team, team Fetch. Uh, I don't even know what to make of this because I'm looking at this and then there's also, you know, the Sasha and Bailey situation that's going on. Absolution, obviously, is just going to end up in the Moolah Battle Royal. But I'm looking at this conglomeration of Alexa and Naya and Mickey and Sasha and Bailey. What the hell is the Mania match? Uh, well, first of all, Bula would have loved Paige. She would have. Uh, now, now going forward, uh, yeah, I, dude, we know we're getting here. You know, you're getting the Mean Girls versus the big, beautiful Glam Glamazon 2.0 thing here. Uh, actually, I don't, I don't even want to make that comparison because Beth Phoenix actually was a very beautiful woman, uh, and actually protected her craft and represented, you know, her character to the fullest, uh, which, which we really don't get with Naya. Uh, but that's what we're getting. We're getting, I I'm big, but I'm so beautiful and, and your body shaming me, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be uh, pretty much a, you know, one of a, a socialist snowflakes dream come true program. And that's who they're targeting here. So does it end up just Alexa and Naya one-on-one? I I actually, I don't hope so. I, I think this is one of those things where they're going to have to tie some things together. And actually, I, I think for this match to be any kind of entertaining at WrestleMania, it needs Banks and Bailey. So who do you have coming out of WrestleMania as champion? They're going to have Nia. See, and I just think that's a terrible idea. I just think it's a terrible idea. I, they're they're going to have Nia coming out. I, it's just the direction they're going with this thing. Uh, this is one of those big, you know, after school special moments that they're that they're gunning for. And what it actually becomes is a piss break every time the women's championship comes on TV. Because I just do not care about Nia Jax in any way, shape, or form. I mean, this thing is going to be everything short of, you know, after the match that Bliss gets hit by a bus. See, and and, and here's my, my disconnect with this story, all right? My disconnect is I could very easily see this story happening, 
right? Like on the playground, you know, you got the one bigger girl and you got the looking girls who are talking all kinds of shit about the bigger girl. But you know what happens? The bigger girl doesn't bust into tears. She goes over there and she just beats the shit out of them. No, I I think that they're kind of going towards that, you know, that these girls, they do go home and it is, it is hard for them. You know, they, they are going to cry. It is, it is an emotional roller coaster. It's something that they have, they have trouble dealing with. My other problem with this program is Piggy James is one of now, now one of the mean girls. Like if anybody should be sympathizing with Nia Jax here, it's Piggy James. Yeah, this is, it's terrible casting. It's just, uh, it, this would have worked I, so much better with Sasha and Alexa. And they still have really yet to fully explain to us why all of a sudden there's change in attitude from Mickey. You know, you know, that, that ranks right up there with the mythical AJ Styles babyface turn. You know, that, that, that I'm still waiting for that one to happen. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just, they really didn't give us anything about it. It was, they needed another pretty face. Uh, and it, what really kills me too is such the change in demeanor from Mickey. And, and hey, to her credit, she is playing that mean girl to perfection. Yeah, it's just, she flipped that switch, but it just doesn't make any sense. The casting is completely off. Right. When uh, we literally did this story a few years back and you were Nia Jax, like it's just the disconnect. It just baffles me. You know, who I, you're right. Banks would have been perfect in this role, uh, but to even go one step further, because, you know, she does have her own thing going on. And I am. And I am very harsh on, on Banks. Uh, I'm still not an over the top fan of her, but you know, I do understand her worth. I understand that she has a, a, an enormous fan base that, that want to see her on television each week. And, and I think it's a great undercard story between her and Bailey. So I'm enjoying that. But I, I you know, you, you link Banks in there. I think, you know, who would have been perfect to maybe just come play a little sidekick role with Bliss would have been, this would have been a great spot to slide Summer Ray back in. Uh, didn't she get released? Oh, is she not with the company I anymore? Think, I think she's been released from the company. Oh, now. yeah, you're right. Well, you know, call her up. See what she's doing on the road to WrestleMania. She would have been that perfect, I'm just better than you, uh, every, everything about me is better than you kind of personality. Yeah, it's funny because Summer Rae, when you watch like what she did down in NXT, when she was with the, with, with the BFFs with Sasha and Charlotte, right. that stuff was gold and then she came to the main roster and it was just like who the hell are you it was another case of, of disconnect yeah that, that, that was one of the very earliest botched call-ups that they had inside of the women's division was summer ray she did some really good work in nxt well i guess even you know through her own admission uh they were looking for someone to partner up with uh fandango and you know she was looking you know just chopping at the, chopping at the bit to get anything anything to get her that breakthrough position. Uh, so she said, Oh, I'll do it. But she actually had zero. Um, well, she had zero background in dancing. Yeah. She was, she was a bit overzealous. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking though. You know, we were making that comparison with Sasha. It reminded me of going back to the BFFs. Yeah. Yeah. God, that was a great angle. That was a great angle. But, or, you know, and since she's gone, I think, you know, summer would have been just great in that role. Uh, or, you know, she, because her limitations in the ring would have been great to kind of just back up bliss there or, Hey man, you, you've got two girls that have 
that are great in that role right now with some up incredible new gimmicks. It would have been great to see them kind of put into that position uh, with the iconic duo. Have you seen pictures of them with the new gimmicks yet? Oh, have I seen the pictures of this new gimmick? Um, well, no, no, they're, they're my screensaver. Well, no, well, you'll have to, you'll have to shoot me over a picture because I've only seen pictures of Peyton Royce. I haven't seen any pictures of Billy Kay with the new gimmick shit. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure. I'll, I, they will be in your inbox here shortly. Yeah, no, that that's completely genuine. I've seen the pictures of uh, Peyton, but I haven't seen any of Billy Kay yet, so I'm very curious. Uh, but I, I completely agree. They, they absolutely would fit into that. God, if you had like a Mean girl stable of Bliss and Banks and the iconic duo, God damn. Talk about Mean Girls Are Us. Why, well, you know, I'm going back. You know, how many more Mean Girls references can I get here? Hey, there was three in that click. So you, you bring in the duo with Bliss, you got three there. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Sasha Bailey. Uh, Sasha defeats Sonya Deville. Bailey takes a walk. Absolution beats down Sasha. I, I, I feel like this is more and more Bailey's just justifying Sasha's heel turn because I do not feel like Bailey can or should or will turn heel. I, I think, yeah, in the long run, you're right. That's the right call. It has to be Sasha. What I what I don't really like is how they're trying to, you know, tease where it's still open to who, you know, who's going to actually make that hard turn. Uh, I think there, you know, there is that struggle within Bailey right now. She's really questioning where she's at. It, you know, is this friendship really, you know, all that it's cracked up to be? What are Sasha's real intentions? I I don't think they did Bailey any favors with having her just completely abandon Sasha this week. Yeah, and you know, as I look back at this entire program, really the only thing that has shown Sasha being upset whatsoever is that one stiff tag. Yeah, she eliminated Bailey from a match that she was trying to win. She tried to take Bailey out of another match that she was trying to win. But Bailey's kind of been the one screwing over Sasha here. And I feel like it should just justify Sasha going heel. Because <laughs> I, I Bailey, I just don't see it in her. I don't well, see it. Really all to this point, what they're really doing. Yeah, I mean, every time that Bailey turns away from Sasha or turns her back to her, Sasha is kind of screwing her over. But that's the nature of this business. You know, in each of those scenarios... It's been Sasha showing that she's hungry for that big victory. Right. You know, she, you know like inside the chamber, hey, you, you have to resort. To Only one it. person's winning that match. Right. And the same with the Rumble. You don't take your eye off the prize. It's every woman and, for herself. And, you know, even with that hard tag in that match, you know, it's, you know, Sasha has shown, I mean, she wants to get back in that prime spotlight. So she's, she's showing she's willing to do whatever to get there. Uh, and unfortunately, yes, that has come, you know, at Bailey's expense. Now, the way they're presenting this, though, is Bailey is really coming off as a, quite a little crybaby. Yeah, and I don't like it. I don't like the way that this is going at all. I just want to see Sasha join the Mean Girls and go pick on Sasha B or Bailey and Nia Jax. Now, see, the one thing I, I I am completely okay with them keeping them away because. Of, that, again, just now we are totally lumping everything back together so fast uh, and, and splitting it up where you're on this side or you're on that side. That's my only thing I don't like about that. But 
but I do get the I I, I do think we're going to get a four away with these two with two different stories being told in that match at WrestleMania. So you leave Mickey as the odd woman out. Yeah, at at this point, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to kind of say that because you know so much respect for her. I think she, you know of the last twenty years, she is right there at the forefront for women's wrestling. She has done so many incredible things. But at this point, it's not everyone can be included in those in those in that spotlight. And I think that she does get left on the sideline. So it looks like next week we are going to get the ultimate deletion. Rick, are you excited? Man, I wish I could. I wish I could sit here and even lie to you and say that I am in. In it, just a little bit excited, but I'm not. I'm pumped, dude. I shouldn't be. I know that I have no reason to be. I I, I know that it's going to be disappointing. It's not going to be nearly as cool, but I'm freaking jacked. I can't wait. I mean, I get like this with Sharknado too. I like, I, I, I'm the guy that watches Sharknado every year. All right. Because it's so overly cheesy and campy and very well done inside of that demographic. I don't think I would be nearly as excited if Jeremy Borash was not cited in North Carolina here about a week ago. Um, I, my only hesitation here is the Jeff Hardy thing because it looked like Jeff was kind of edited out of the preview that they showed on Monday night raw. You saw basically just his coat. Um, and then it looked like it was cut. I don't know if Jeff is going to be part of this thing or not at this point. Have you heard is, any kind of updates? Well, I was going to say, isn't there some news today that, you know, he is down at the performance center or he is due down there for some evaluation? And well, some testing? I, I, he wrapped up his physical therapy today. Okay. Maybe that's what I had seen. So I but think now, he's supposed to be reporting to the performance center to get okay. WWE clearance. And it's just, you know, the, the standard procedure. It doesn't seem like there's been any like blowback on Jeff from this thing as of yet. Yeah. I, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of heat on him from that. And just, you know, looking at, you know, the, the things that we know about the situation, it didn't seem like the law enforcement was all overly concerned with it. You know, they, they slapped those charges pretty, uh, pretty come and go is. Yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon, you know, that it, it's a very wide open for interpretation, you know, of what exactly, you know, falls under that law. You know, even I know here in Ohio, if they if they believe that that you are, are, are too drowsy, they can slap one of those on you. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing kind of shakes out. I'm interested to see if we actually get the return of Brother Nero next week or if Jeff is not a part of the ultimate deletion. Either way, I, I and I thought that Bray Wyatt's promo this week was very, very good. He actually hit the mark of being that creepy Rob zombie house of a thousand corpses kind of character that I want Bray Wyatt to be. I know it's still Bray Wyatt. Don't get your hopes up, but this is the character that I've always wanted Bray Wyatt to be. I guess, I guess maybe I need to go back. I I can't, I, and I just kind of, like I said, I, I didn't watch it in real time and I went through raw pretty quick. I think I just skipped over that. 
Oh man, we got the introduction of Reby and King Maxwell and No, I saw that, but I didn't hear the the Wyatt promo. Oh, the, the I thought it was a very good Wyatt promo this week. Very good Wyatt promo. Be a it's a very nice family that you got there, Matt. Be a, I guess be a uh, pity that, if something happened. I guess for my taste, I'm gonna need some more hype through the week. Um I, I guess there are some you know, some questions going into it that, that are a bit interesting. I just don't know if if that's enough to put Raw over for must-watch TV for me next week. Well, let's see if we can do so for SmackDown. Let's see if we can make that must-see TV for you next week. Uh, because, you know, they did so much with this AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura preview. Um, I, I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, this is the dream match that everybody is waiting for. Although I don't, I just I don't feel like anybody is waiting for it because Nakamura has fallen flat inside of the WWE. Uh, again, this is one of those things where I think they're they're ribbing the smarks. Okay, we we gave you what you guys wanted. You know what more do you want from us? And then when we because they're not going to give it a proper build, they're not going to heat up the program between the two. They're going to kind of just you know it looks like they're just going to let them cruise into WrestleMania. And, and the match is probably going to fall flat. You know, it's like I've been saying, best case scenario, it's going to get 20 minutes with entrances. It's it's not going to be anywhere near the class of, you know, what we saw at Wrestle Kingdom. And I think fans are going to give it a poor, you know, there's going to be a poor reception towards it. And WWE be like, well, well, this is what you wanted. You know, we, we, we did this for you and now you're, you're turning on it. Yep. Yep, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, when, when I look at Shinsuke Nakamura, if I didn't know anything about Shinsuke Nakamura from Japan, and I didn't know anything about Shinsuke Nakamura from NXT, the only thing I know about Shinsuke Nakamura is he lost to Jinder Mahal twice for the WWE Championship. And now you expect me to believe that he's going to go to WrestleMania and beat AJ Styles? Well, you know, even you know more than that, you know, he's he hasn't had any big wins, big moments. No, uh, he won the Rumble, out, and, and then you did nothing with him well, for two and, months. And then when he actually, when you actually do get to see some of his personality, he's reciting, um, like, ch- children's, like, riddles and Dr. stuff. Dr. Like Seuss, that. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. And then this week, we get... The opposite of Fastlane. At Fastlane, we got Nakamura versus Rusev. I thought that was a terrible idea. So this week on SmackDown, we get Styles versus Rusev. And Rick, I'm, I'm going to pull a Vince Russo right here. I'm going to take off my glasses and I'm going to rub my temples while you <laughs> attempt to explain to me why in the fuck did we do this match? Uh, I, I wish I had... An explanation for you, man. Uh, I, I usually try to. I know when you come in hot on something, I, I try to maybe step back and come at it from, you know, a number of different angles. Why? I, I, I really don't have one here. Why? I mean, it, it's just, why are we putting our hottest act against the two guys that we're building up for the main event of the SmackDown portion of WrestleMania? Why? Why? It's just so counterintuitive. It doesn't make any sense. Well, this is again, you know, it's okay. You guys, you guys want Rusev? Okay. Well, we're going to go have him go out there and continually get beat by our top stars just so we can kind of laugh at you. 
What's Rusev doing at WrestleMania? I'm guessing Andre the Giant Battle Memorial. Or Memorial Battle Royal. Got myself a little tongue-tied there. What a waste. Hey, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to keep defending it every time we talk about it. I, I don't think it's a waste. I like seeing some of these bigger names in that match. I think it should be a, a, a great honor to not even, you know, especially to win it, but just to be involved in it. Well, it no, I say, I say what a waste and the respect that for the last probably since what, November, has there been anybody in the company hotter than Rusev. You know what? Right now, I, right now to kind of tie in, I, I want, you know, this, he's won out and got, he's gotten himself over. He has earned the position where he is at, you know, in the eyes of the fans, he's earned all that. He's done that himself. And we've seen plenty of times where, you know, it's fly too high and they will clip your wings they're trying to do that with him, and and he is and still continuing to soar. And I'm going to tie that into you know what I've been pushing for to add a little prestige to the battle royal. Put Rusev over in that thing. Let's combine those things, and he come out with a real strong push for him. Let him elevate that match to the levels he's at right at right now. Let's talk about the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Triple Threat setup that I assume that we're going to get. Um, and I wouldn't even really talk about this because of all of these programs, this is the one that I just cringe at. And I just think this is pre-show if I ever saw one. But this week I wanted to talk about it because we got to see a side of Big E that we have not seen in a very long time. And it seems like we're getting this side of Big E more consistently here are, are are we kind of testing a biggie solo run here man i'm definitely digging you know when he, when we get the the serious side of biggie when we get the return of that monster uh someone that could be very much a legit player in the main event scene you know no matter what going forward he he's he could have a big part uh brand split or not moving forward for WWE, and it's nice to see that. And, and I kind of like the dynamic there that we had between Big E and the Uso. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Uh, but, you know, on the other side, it feel, I feel like we say this every week, Harper and Rowan are being killed by this gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, it's just terrible, man. It's just terrible. I don't like it at all. And it almost seems... Uh, and I am a little, you know, a few things I'm interested in with this thing going forward, but not so much because of the storyline. Uh, the interest is coming for something that that maybe shouldn't be there for me. You know, like you said, this screams pre-show, but now they've almost backed themselves into a corner where, you know, they, they've over-acknowledged the Usos haven't been on the main card, that it has to make the main card. It just doesn't feel like it's worthy of the main card. It just really and doesn't. I know, but I mean, just, I mean, it just seems like it would be so insulting that you're continually bringing this up week in, week out, and then you dump them on the pre-show again. Well, by using that standard, what's Dolph Ziggler's singles match at WrestleMania? I, I, I almost wonder if they're going to drop that now. Because you almost had three stories, you know, with the Usos. Dolph Ziggler, and then even Cena trying to just force his way to a match on the main card. 
there's so many similarities there for me. I think maybe we're going to get Ziggler might fade away here. That's a damn shame too. That's a damn shame um, too. You know, but you know, another interesting thing, you know, how are the, you know, how much is the Xavier Woods injury angle going to be played off? You know, is that there so that they can avoid, you know, maybe a potential dispute between the new day is like, which two actually get to enter that match. Hmm. I mean, cause right now, which, I mean, you wouldn't want to be, you know, if you're, if you're Xavier and you're able to go in this match, you don't want to be sitting on the sideline. No, of course. You know, if you're, if you're big E, you sure as hell don't want to be. If you're Kofi, you don't want to be on the sideline. Yeah. All but I wonder, I wonder if that Xavier injury is a way to kind of avoid something there. Could be. We do now know that that was a work. Thank God. That was a work. Now just knock it off. That's so I, I guess you got, the, you got the interest there, but man, the, I think they could really, you know, this could be pretty hot going forward, but man, that Bludgeon Brothers act is just so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan. Uh, let's talk about the U.S. title picture. Very much enjoying this program right now. Uh, Orton, Mahal, and Rude. I know uh, you were saying that it's fallen a little bit flat for you. I just feel like this is the most traditional WWE storytelling going on inside of the creative going on to WrestleMania. All these multi-man matches and all this crap. This is the only match that I feel like is actually being built well inside of a WWE context. It's oh, man, very I, traditional. I, 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 I say, I, I mean, it, it does have some of those core values of the storytelling there. There's just something about this program that's not connecting with me. I, I, I think this is, you know, when you make the comparison to, you know, them drumming up interest and getting me to invest, you know, they're doing such a better job in, in my eyes with the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, the two, and, the two undercard titles are the two most interesting matches to me. Well, and I and maybe it's a case of because these they mirror each other so much, and this one is the lesser of the two in my eyes, that it, get, it kind of just falls off my radar a little bit. That's possible. That's possible. But yeah, you're right. It, they very much mirror one another, and they're... To me, they're the two best stories right now going into WrestleMania from the from the creative aspect. It just seems like traditional old school pro wrestling. We're building a three way angle here, and they're gonna blow it off at the biggest show of the year. Seems like it just makes sense. Then there's the other triple threat that we still have left to talk about before we wrap things up for WWE this week. It seems clear as ever to me now: Owens versus Zayn versus Shane McMahon. Brian returns next week. There was a whole bunch of referees got beat down in this thing. Daniel Bryan's going to put Shane in this match, name himself the special guest referee, and that's your WrestleMania match. Now, okay, now, now I know the, uh, you know, the, I guess the experts on the sheets, they're picking this thing up today. You've been screaming this thing for a week that yeah. this is the direction they were going in. And I guess... It just seemed to make sense to me after Fastlane. It was like, oh, this is what they're setting up. And I did, saw nothing Tuesday night that changed my mind on that. All of a sudden this morning, Meltzer comes out and says, well, it looks like they're going to set up Shane versus Brian or Shane versus Owens versus Zane with Brian as the guest referee. Now, everybody's do, do like, have, oh, that makes sense. Do we have any like backside or inside information on this leave for Shane? No, nothing that I've heard. I think this is just a way to, to get Shane off of TV 
for a couple of weeks. He can go uh, hit the Triple H diet and uh, be good to go for WrestleMania. One thing that's just crazy about that, though, is if if you're going to remove him, you know, we're three weeks away and it's not like it's so much, you know, that it's over the top to ask him to show up once a week for work. I'm guessing we see Shane on the go home for Mania. We get two weeks of just Brian and then we'll get Shane and Brian together. It's and to have Brian add Shane to the match. It doesn't click as much to me as I was fully expecting, you know, with the announcement of the leave that he was going to put himself in that match anyway. See, and I, I, I've seen some speculation. Oh, well, Owens and Zane are back together. No, I don't buy into that at all. I think they just both wanted to beat up Shane McMahon. Is yeah, that, that was, you know, that was, you know, the enemy of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much where I stand with it, too. Anything else that you wanted to comment on when it comes to WWE this week, Rick? You know, one thing kind of going back to to talk about the WWE championship. Uh, and I had this in my notes. I just overlooked it when we we're actually talking about it. I, I just realized this. I wanted to get your take on it. You know, how they are presenting these two. And we, we both are in agreement that we need the chaos side of Nakamura, that he should be going into this thing as a hot heel. That's where he is at his best. And that's what, you know, if people are going to, you know, really be able to, to get behind Nakamura, not so much in the, that you are rooting for him, but understand why that this is so important and what he truly is. Are you getting a sense maybe from Styles? I've really been picking this up the last couple of weeks, especially going into Fastlane. He's been he's becoming a bit of a crybaby, like a whoa, you know, whoa me kind of deal. Well, that's kind of the place that they've positioned him in. I mean, when's the last time AJ Styles defended his title in a one-on-one match? I get that, but I mean, just to have him so blatantly come out and, and continually point it out, you know, almost as if. Yeah, you're a fighting champ, but like now you're just bitching about it over and over. Hmm. You know, in the original program, AJ was the heel. In the original program. I don't expect them to go that way here. I think it's way too soon to turn AJ again. I, I just give me heel Nakamura. Just turn well, him. I, I, well, and I think, yeah, it's, it's different. It's different cultures as well. Right. I mean, AJ was, you know, from. He was the guy. You know, yeah, he's the guy. He is, and, and traditionally over there, you know, we're uh, the bad you know, guys. That's, yeah, we're the outsiders. Imagine that we dropped two nuclear bombs on your freaking country, and for some reason, everybody that's white's a bad guy. Go old, figure. Uh, old round eyes isn't too welcome over there, yeah. especially in their in their wrestling world. You know, go figure. Uh, even if you know the leader of chaos, you know is. Even if, you know, you see him as one of the biggest dicks in, you know, your country, uh, he's still better than that Westerner. Yep. Yep. And and now here, you know, not saying that you have to play to, you know, that stereotype where like he is like just I hate everything, you know, Western, you know, run of the mill villain. But, you know, it's it's just the it's just the nature of it that Styles is is the more likable of the two because he's relatable to your audience. Where's the heat? That's the problem. Where's the heat? And, you know, I, I got into this, you know, with, 
with Money MacGyver, he's like, well, why do they have to do it now? Do it at Mania. Well, by the time we get to Mania, no one's going to care. Right. That's the problem. That's the problem. Um, I, I did have one other thing I wanted to throw out as we were sitting here talking. It, it occurred to me, what's Bray Wyatt doing at WrestleMania? If we're, if we're blowing off the ultimate deletion already, what's Bray Wyatt doing at WrestleMania? Do we, do we maybe get a reunion of uh, Braun and Bray? That It's another name that, that could be tossed out there. Uh, I, I would say, you know, what are, what are, what's, what's Hardy doing at WrestleMania? Yeah, it's looking like I'm going to get my wish of having some of those big names in the head battle royal. Oh, man. Well, let's, uh, let, let's shift gears a little bit and uh, let, let's give an update on the uh, New Japan Cup. We've got the uh, first set of semifinalists are, are set now. As uh, as predicted, Juice Robinson defeated Michael Elgin. No big surprise there. And Tanahashi defeated Bad Luck Fale. That was actually a pretty good match. I, uh, but I enjoy the watching Tanahashi versus somebody that's like three times his size. Uh, tonight, of course, we have Kota Ibushi taking on Zack Sabre Jr., uh, by the time you people hear this, that match probably will be happening in real time. And we have Toro Yano versus Sonata. So we'll get updates on those uh, coming on into the weekend. Uh, Rick, anything else that you wanted to uh, comment on or uh, bring up this week when it comes to the world of professional wrestling? It's kind of a slow week outside of uh, WWE this week. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, there wasn't a whole lot going on from around the globe. Uh, hopefully uh, business picks up a little bit as, as we... As we look forward to our weekend show, I, I know uh, that we are, you know, one of the topics you propose that you want to spend some time looking at, you know, is, is, you know, right now everyone's trying to figure out where everyone fits into this WrestleMania car, but we're going to take a look at, you know, what the future might hold for Big Cass when he returns. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about Big Cass. Uh, I also want to talk a bit about uh, Drew McIntyre. And uh, where Drew McIntyre is going to fit into the WWE landscape coming out of WrestleMania, if there's any other big call-ups that we see coming for the the Raw after Mania, uh, basically this weekend show we're gonna, we're going to take a look at beyond WrestleMania rather than just the road to WrestleMania. I think that'll that'll be a, a something fun to check out. So uh, that's going to wrap things up for uh, this week's episode. Rick and I will be back, I'm guessing, probably Saturday with that show. And then, uh, of course, Monday, we'll be back in the locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Uh, until then, make sure that you visit our friends Michael and Ryan over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. As always, you can find our show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how did the stalkers find you? You can find me across the... All social media platforms at the real RBV. Uh, as always, every day I'm over on Facebook in the Hami Media Discussion Group, chatting it up with some of the the greatest minds uh, in professional wrestling. Uh, a ton of a ton 
of fun interactive features going on over there. Uh, right now, I would like to encourage everyone to go over and check out our thread on uh, the most memorable moments in WrestleMania history. Beginning on the 23rd, we're going to start counting down the top 34 as voted by the uh, the faithful followers of the Hameen Media Group. Sounds good to me. That's it for this week. Rick and I are off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy! Stop! Stop! Go!